to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Sunday, May 21st. It's official. The 2023 Division I men's and women's college tennis team season is officially in the books. We have now crowned our 2023 national champions. And before we get into breaking down all of the action, a massive shout out, congratulations, and super producer Daniel Westoff, round of applause sound effect to our two national champions. Champions, the University of North Carolina women, the University of Virginia men, on completing what were two fantastic and certainly compelling seasons for all of us, not just college tennis fans, but tennis fans more broadly to enjoy. And I think, again, before we get into the breakdown of either of our national championship matches, the biggest winner of the weekend was the quality of play, just up and down the lineup, roster after roster, all week long here in Orlando. The tennis has been outstanding. The energy so captivating. Even the crowds did their job here in Orlando. It was a special event, a special environment, and of course our Crack Rackets team could not thank all of you in the College Tennis Universe enough for making us feel so special throughout the course of this week for truly embracing what we're trying to do here with this sport. Shine a spotlight on a sport we believe is some of, if not the most compelling tennis you will find at any level of the game. And again, to all of you who came up to us throughout the course of the day, I we are gr- immensely grateful uh, for the support you all showed up to all the coaches, players who tolerate our nonsense day in, day out, week in, week out. Obviously grateful uh, that you do so because it certainly makes our lives a lot easier. A massive thank you to the USTA the NCAA, of course, for including us as part of this year's coverage. And for what it's worth, the coverage doesn't stop now. We have another week of NCAA individuals available for all of you college tennis fans on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. That said, before we turn the page to the final week of the college tennis season, we have to recap Everything we saw over these past two national championship matches. North Carolina 4-1 over NC State. Virginia a 4-0 shutout over the Ohio State Buckeyes. And joining me on today's show to help recap all of the championship action is a man who's honestly gone Han Solo the same way George Harrison's best stuff came after he left the Beatles. I'm thinking we have our George Harrison moment because college tennis fans everywhere, if you want the best look at everything that happened, not just big picture, but day in, day out here in Orlando, go check out the daily recaps on the No Ad, No Problem blog. I would be lying if I said I wasn't listening to every episode, feeling immensely jealous that this man who joins me today beat us to the spot because God, did he do a fantastic job covering it all week long. And I've been so fortunate to name him as my partner in crime all week long, not just this season, but over these past two years. A man you all know best as the returning champion of returning champions here on our Cracked Rackets show. Of course, founder of the No Ad, No Problem blog and podcast. It is our dearest friend, John J. Parsons. Jay, welcome back to the Mini Break podcast feed. A week in Orlando. You Are you feeling like the celebrity you should after a week like this? <laughs> uh, I feel like the sweaty celebrity, baby. <laughs> uh, you know, I've probably, you know, sweat off about 10 pounds while yeah, here, sure. you know, existing off of water and protein bars over the last few days. But yeah, it's been a, a great time here at Lake Nona. It's been hot, but yeah, you know, it's my favorite week of the year. It's always exciting to see this tournament come here in person. 
nothing better. Yeah. For the record, the George Harrison thing, your best work actually still comes here. So please don't leave <laughs> us anytime soon. We really need you here at Cracked Rackets. But first of all, the jawline does look good, my friend, for what it's worth. And yeah, it has been sweaty. And we'll talk about the conditions, which I actually think was one of the biggest factors in everything. And I'm, I know you feel the same way. Everything we saw throughout the course of this week. Again, What we want to do here on today's show is offer you an immediate reaction to our two national championship matches specifically. Now, of course, Jay, Chris Halioris, and I will come together throughout the course. If not this week, then perhaps the next week. We'll do our all-tournament teams. We'll do our award show for the 2023 college tennis season. But we feel like we have to offer you recaps right now because, again, we have national champions crowned. It's going to be UNC, Virginia. It's not going to be. They are your 2023 national champions. And, you know, shout out, as always, to our dear friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. Promo code is CR15 for their support of the show. More broadly, Jay, again, before we get into any specific match, I did love the crowd here in Orlando. It felt like a special event, special atmosphere. And you and I talk so frequently about the, uh, where do they play the softball college world series? Omaha, Oklahoma the, city, or, or, Omaha yeah, for oh, baseball. Yeah. The Omaha vacation and trying to perhaps create that here in college tennis. It felt a little Omaha. Like it just felt like this was a home of the college tennis universe this week. Do you agree? Well, it was the home yeah, of the college tennis universe. It should universe. feel like that. Uh, you know, you had all three divisions here for the first time ever, mm-hmm. D1, D2, D3. Uh, I know you've been able to cover, cover so much of that action on the Cracked Rackets YouTube. So it was the epicenter of college tennis, and that has been fun to see, mm-hmm. right? To see more teams than just D1. You saw today Case Western, you, you know, winning the doubles championship. You saw them win the men's team title. You see a lot more names and logos and people checking out college tennis. You have parents of those teams who are crossing over to check out some of the D1 action. I would not go so far as to say the Omaha or Oklahoma City okay. of uh, of the college tennis world, but to your point on the crowd, I mean, Last night for NC State, UNC, the UNC crowd travels so well every year, and they have such passionate and knowledgeable fans and alums who all come out who make this trip every year to see North Carolina win the NCAA title. That paid off for them last night. There was a moment when I had moved down to kind of the bottom four through six of UNC, NC State, and I was sitting there thinking – the crowd reactions and the noise sounds exactly like a doubles point, which is when you have all the fans concentrated, right? Action happening on all three courts that extended all the way down through four through six. So the crowds were really electric. And I think uh, a testament to all of these programs for being able to turn out, uh, you know, partisan fans. I'll keep some off the record things that have, I've been a part of off the record here, but where I would make the case for the Omaha vacation here in Orlando is when you go out at night, when you go to the Boxy Park, which is 10 minutes from the national campus, and there are people staying at hotels within three minutes of Boxy Park or Park Place Pizza, whatever it is. Players are out. Fans are out. Coaches are out. It's just a fun environment to have everyone here, and that might happen at NCAAs no matter what. I, that's, that's what the look on your face is telling <laughs> me, and perhaps, again, I'm still just new enough in my experience that I enjoy it so thoroughly, but I guess why I bring that up is it just feels like this would be a fun place, a fun home. There are enough things to do, plus you're 
surrounded by tennis when you step onto the USDA national campus. And, you know, again, you have that tennis aspect. You have places you can go off campus as well where everyone seems to be closely situated. I guess uh, I guess the argument I'm trying to make is I see the rubric of Omaha here in Orlando, if that makes sense. Like, I see what they're tr- – I see how you could make it happen. And, yeah, I think, like, the, the UNC match I, – I actually thought the UNC women's team – and the women's final more broadly, I thought it was a better crowd than the men's final we had here today. And part of that's probably 5 p.m. versus noon. Absolutely. But I thought it was I thought it was a better crowd. Oh, I mean, last night was a beautiful night. Yeah, right? it was gorgeous. It gets delayed. I mean, that is the ideal time to play matches here mm-hmm. in Orlando. Heat of the day. And I don't really know why they played the men's final today, given that they weren't going to have the day of rest. I think men would have be better prepared to play the next day if they mm-hmm. play at night than mm-hmm. if they play heat of the day. But yeah, absolutely. The the night crowd was fantastic. Not only do you have the people who can come in for the day, but you're able to get a lot of people out uh, from the local area. But yeah, the women's final was more well attended than the men's final. It was a delightful crowd. And this is just, again, a quick tangent, but you mentioned the Carolina fans and you know the NC State fans and God, the Virginia fans today. There are certain fan bases that are just better at cheering than others. Like, look, I went there so I can criticize them. Michigan fans suck in comparison to, like, North Carolina fans know how to get after it. Now, Virginia fans, it's your sixth title in the last 10 NCAA tournaments, so you've grown accustomed to this sort of moment. But, like, there is nothing more special than a college tennis crowd that gets how to amplify a college tennis match. And I guess maybe that's the argument I'm trying to make more than anything else over the Omaha vacation. It just felt like we had the right crowds here this week. Well, they're knowledgeable. They're informed. You know, they know what's going on, right? I mean, you have programs like in North Carolina who's been here every year. Virginia's winning their sixth title. Michigan sucks because they've never done it. So, (laughs) I mean, how do you need practice? So, Ohio State has been here many times. You know, you have you know, teams and programs yeah. that are engaged. Ohio State's very good at it as well. Yes, absolutely. There's, a, there's someone on our live feed, sorry to cut you off, you can always hear, you go, JJ! And I'm like, I love her. I'm like, <laughs> I just want her in my life at all times. Yes. Yeah, no, they know They know the crowd. They know how to how to cheer. They know the points to cheer. Yeah. They, know, they can follow the momentum of college yes. tennis that an average fan, bless them, right, doesn't quite get. It takes reps to understand, hey, that's a big point on three, and that momentum just really shifted X team's way. Yeah. So that's a conversation I just wanted to have with J2 Start because, again, when you feel the atmosphere, the momentum of this occasion, and there's some other things we can reflect upon scoreboard-wise, broadcasting-wise as we go on, but it's time to talk about some tennis because, again, we had two outstanding finals, and I think more broadly, semifinals onward for the men, certainly the final for the women. It just felt like we had the right teams competing for the final, and Look, let's just start more recently. What Virginia has done these past two years, a Virginia team that at the last two national indoors, which I was fortunate enough to be broadcasting, they looked like doo-doo. Like, they were not good. They were fine. Like, they were a quarterfinal team. Sure, you're going to be in the mix. But for those teams to look the way they did in February and for them to complete the season the way they have these past two years. Last year, I think it was like a 27-match win streak on their way to the national championship. This year, they finish on a 21-match win streak and capture a second consecutive national title. They beat Texas in the semifinals yesterday in what was just a physical, hot, sweaty, 
who who's going to cramp less sort of match to come off of that performance take the doubles from Ohio State today take three straight set victories at the top 3 spots I don't know how Andreas does it. He has them peaking at the exact right moment, Jay. Before we get into the nitty-gritty details, this is a program you and I both know very well. Six titles in the last 10 national championships. That is the definition of a dynasty. You've seen it the whole time. What, what is it about this Who's team? What is it about this coaching staff? I, it just seems to be working. Well, it's the same recipe as last year, <laughs> sure. too, right? So they have something that's working. They replicated it here. I mean, same thing. They don't look good at indoors, and then they run through the outdoor season. And they get better and better throughout the season, right? And you, I think you even saw that in this tournament. They were better against Texas than they were against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They were better against Ohio State than they were against Texas after such a physical battle. I mean— if I knew what it was, I would be out there as a head coach. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> fair. So I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something special. And I also think, you know, they've done that, what, six titles yeah. in 10 years with two separate coaching staffs. Yeah. You know, there's well, been, Scott Brown, Andreas, like, Yeah, there's sort been some of. consistency, yeah. right? I mean, it's not like Andreas wasn't familiar with the yeah, program, sure. right? But different head coaches. Yes. And now with complete turnover in players, mm-hmm. right? You look at that USC run. You know, four straight, five of six, right? There was always a nucleus, right? You had mm-hmm. Stevie J, four straight years, uh, D win there. Yeah, and handed it off to Hanfman, who exactly. was a part of the last one, Exactly. There was more handoffs here, like a more through baton line. passing. Exactly. Yeah. That has been broken, right? Mm-hmm. In that transition to Boland to Pedroso. You know, I don't know if you know, but uh, Johnny Ross last year was Pedroso's first recruit. I, I hadn't heard. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there was that, there was. Less of a handoff. Yeah. And he's been able to do that with different players, different backgrounds. And I think that's what's been so impressive about this is it hasn't been just one stretch. And both of these teams are winners here, have been able to be consistently at the top of the game for so long, which is so hard to do. Absolutely. And by the way, again, this applies to both North Carolina. You mentioned it. It applies to Ohio State as well, who for 15 years have just been in the hunt. I'm telling you, if tennis did 30 for 30s, we do it on the 08 National Indoors and where Ohio State and Virginia have gone since then, because since they played in that National Indoor final in 08, they have been the defining teams in men's college tennis. I mean, those are the two. Like, yes, USC had the four. Yeah, USC would like a word. No, but fair. I'm saying 15 years more broadly. You're right. Others have been on the level, but no one has surpassed those two during that stretch of time. Like, that is the epitome of what success looks like. USC was there. I agree. Like, they had their four. I'm not going to justify myself, <laughs> yeah. TJ. You know what? We can move on from this point. To your thoughts on Virginia, what getting better throughout the course of the tournament, even beyond that, it's like everyone contributed. You know, it was Dahlberg. It was Kiefer yeah. against Texas. Here today, it was the OGs, mm-hmm. the big three of Rodash, von der Schulenberg, Montez, and, like, Jeffrey was awful. And he'd be the first to say it. He was awful in the semifinals against Texas. Like, And credit to Micah Braswell, who was excellent throughout the course of this event. But Vounder Schulenberg cleaned his, uh, got his clock cleaned. And credit to freaking Jeffrey, who was on court for half an hour in the 95-degree heat after the match being like, I was bad. Like, Andres, can we hit some forehands? Because the forehand is just not working for me. And, you know, again— this is how we get into the nitty-gritty now. 
you could tell, like, Virginia just came out loose in doubles, Jay. They end up taking doubles at the number one and two spots. Rodesh von der Schulenberg getting it done at two. Montez with a really good Will Woodall performance. It has to be said. I mean, Woodall was lights out at one. And this is not to write off what Cannon and JJ did at three, but you're in person. You got a feel for that doubles point. Watching via play site as I was, it just felt like Virginia played so loose. Well, they played so loose and they played so bad in the quarterfinals <laughs> against Kentucky. It was ugly tennis. It yeah. was the longest doubles point I've sat through since we've made the change to a six game. It was the Ohio State Vanderbilt women's doubles sure. point. It was 70 minutes long. It was ugly tennis. And Woodall and, and Yaki served up 5-3 in up that five, set and three, blew it for and, what and it's worth. And the tie break, yeah. they blew it. And, and that was not a good performance from Woodall. Mm-hmm. In the Texas match, they come out and all of a sudden they have found this unreal doubles level, right? And Will Woodall does not play singles. What he's out there to do is hit big serves and hit good volleys. And he's done that the last two (laughs) matches. And, you know, uh, Rodash and Von der Schulenberg blew a 5-0 lead against Kentucky. Mm -hmm. They ultimately get the win, but they come out firing these last two matches. I mean, I don't know where they found that level. There was clearly some talking to sure. that Coach Pedroso must have done to, for them to elevate that level against two teams in Texas and Ohio State that have been rock solid all season long in doubles. I Not think rock solid, elite. Elite, yeah. Yeah, it, yeah good correction. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that it, it's felt a little similar to me when they – beat Florida in the quarterfinal last year where they felt it was downhill from there. Mm -hmm. I think maybe that happened a little bit in the Kentucky match, just knowing that they were the ones that finally ended Mm -hmm. this Kentucky team that's so hard to beat. But I think the level they showed in doubles in Texas, they were able to come out so much more confident today against Ohio State. One, knowing that their highest level in doubles is excellent and they hadn't showed it. And then two – They'd been here before, right? And these were an Ohio State program that hadn't been here since 2018. No continuity Mm -hmm. in this Ohio State team versus that 2018 versus this is a Virginia team that just did this last year. I think that's Mm -hmm. why you're able to see them play so freely. Yeah, no, there were a couple guys on this Ohio State roster who were part of that 2019 National Indoor run, but... That's not the NCAAs. No. It's a completely different ball game when you're in the NCAA final. It's, you know, again, day three in the 95-degree mm-hmm. heat for these guys. And, yeah, you know, it, you're right, like, to point even as recently as Kentucky where Virginia gave away a doubles point. But, like, against Ole Miss in the second round, they were bad in doubles. Yeah. Like, I didn't think they played particularly well against Duke in the round of 16 either. And Miami in the ACC oh, tournament final. It they, was a bad doubles. Yeah. Like, I—, I Credit to Will Woodall. He was so clutch today. And mm-hmm. you mentioned the serves, the volleys. He also put some darn good returns in play. Like, they just kept it, the ball so low. They didn't give Cash Boulay anything easy to work with, particularly on serve. There were no freebies from Woodall. There were no freebies from Inyaki Montez, who, I mean, Maytime Inyaki is now a thing. It just, it has to be, right? Or a national championship Inyaki, maybe, because... The energy he plays with, there's just a poise, a calmness for this Virginia team. You said it at the start. They played like they had been here before, and they take that one-love doubles lead. And look, this has been a prevailing theme throughout the course of the week. I've made this joke off mic. I'm going to say it on mic now. You know how in golf tournaments they say, oh, the course is really killing the players today. Like the real winner was the course. Orlando's courts might have been the real winners. Like, the courts were just killing some of these players because it's over 100 degrees on court and just sweat and cramps and just 
the physical nature of this game, the fact that, look, if you lost a first set, the, the prospect of having to spend two and a half more hours on court coming back was so daunting. How many three-set matches did we actually see finish in this NCAA tournament? So few. Like, I can think of Dahlberg against Kentucky. And that's really the only like straight uh, three set, excuse me, singles match that felt like it sign- that was significant that actually had the opportunity to finish. And so first sets were so critical. And again, getting back to this nature of playing loose, being loose, you're there. Rodesh, Von der Schulenberg, Montez, Getz, they come off to such strong starts in singles. They take those first four sets, Jay. It just felt like Virginia, after taking that doubles point, foot on the gas, they never let go. Yeah, it, as you talk through that, it's almost like Coach Pedroso is surgical in improving from one match to the next. Sure. Kentucky, doubles was bad. Mm-hmm. Against Texas, doubles is good. Great. <laughs> Against Texas, the start after winning doubles mm-hmm. was bad. Against Ohio State, they're now good at doubles, and they're not going to have that winning the doubles hangover, mm-hmm. right, that they did against Texas. It is surgical in improving these certain aspects one match to the next. And so they didn't have that letdown that they had against Kentucky. They knew that they were now three points away, foot on the gas on all of those singles courts. And to your point earlier about the contributions they had gotten, it hadn't necessarily been Inyaki Montez or Jeffrey von der Schulenberg who have that championship pedigree, right? It was Mons Dahlberg who had been excellent for them in those first two matches. Alex Kiefer as well, who is now into the lineup. So I think that was helpful in, hey, for Inyaki Montez, for Jeffrey von der Schulenberg, for Chris Rodesh. It is who Chris Rodesh been stepping up this whole tournament, sure. but it is now our time. And Ryan Getz, fifth year senior, our time to put points on the board here. Rodesh beat Draxel. Mm-hmm. He was up five three on Spiz, yep. and he beats Boulay mm-hmm. here today. That's your number one singles all tournament team, folks. Like most that, outstanding player. Yeah, he official. Official. And it's deservedly so. And then you know again, Fernyaki to lose to Lafayette in the fashion that he did in particular, to get overruled at 15-30 and just lose that match. He came back. like He bounced back so quickly. And, like, again, for me, and I, we're not focused on the semis right now, but when P.Y. missed his backhand long on that return on match point in the second set, you could literally see on his face, oh, no, I've lost this match. Mm-hmm. Like, because I had to get off now. And, look, both those guys were dying. In the third set, it was just uh, it was walking versus limping like that's what it was. No one was running on that court. Number two, and the quality of play was laughable through the first, like just so freaking good on two. But you're right, like for him to go from there to a little bit better against Texas to his best match against Kingsley here. And then, yeah, Vonder Schulenberg. It was like that was the problem. And we you, you know, again, credit to Micah Braswell, but Jeffrey played poorly. He did not play poorly today. He took it to J.J. Tracy. Virginia sixth title in the last 10 years and the scariest part is they can all come back next year I mean Ryan Getz who gets to leave with two national championships he will not be a part of the lineup next year Will Woodall also not coming back and they'll have to find a way to fill that vacuum in doubles but given the progression of Dahlberg you expect him to continue to get better the Kiefer experiment isn't an experiment Alex Kiefer's just damn good at tennis. Yep. And, you know, again, I know we're going to talk about the Ohio State side of things in a second here. But, look, we'll address it. Sorry. I know sometimes people yell at me. Scott Brown's going to Vanderbilt. I'll say it so you don't have to. Scott, he's going to Vanderbilt. If I'm wrong about that, I will be shocked. I'm, I'm very, very certain. 
and listen to Coach Pedroso, who says, very last thing, this title is for Scott Brown. You don't say something that direct, that purposeful in the tone that he did, unless you know something's up. And I'm going to say this too, Trent Hughes is going to be the next assistant. Like, they're just going to hire in-house. This is not going to be a, a difficult process for Andreas, you know, Trent to keep Virginia rocking and rolling. I'll ask you, Ty, JC, uh, Richard, like that core, or Montez, Rodash, Van der Schulenberg, Getz? You get to pick one. Which core are you taking? Well, I think it has to be the latter. Really? Make the the case! The core that we're seeing right now, just because there is... They've been better since day one than that core of Ty, Luca, etc. They have been better. I mean, Ty... I feel didn't hit his stride until almost like the last day of college tennis when it was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll, you know, really step up here. Um, you know, you look at Ty in that 2017 run, he didn't have a good team event, stepped up in the individuals. But I mean, the this core as well has built it from, I wouldn't say the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. But th- they didn't have the momentum that that other core that you talked about have. I mean, you, when they were freshmen, Ty, Luca, I mean, they had the 2013 I can't believe I didn't team say Luca. Sorry, Luca. You, you know, coming in, right? They just won the NCAAs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This team was coming in off of new coach, just some disaster years. Mm-hmm. Like 18. 18. You know, the year that we don't, they don't talk, talk about, about it. it you know? <laughs> so, like, for that reason, I think that, and they, st- I mean, day one as yeah. a freshman core. Just an incredible group. No, you made the point perfectly. Alex Damajan and Mitchell Frank were on campus in 2014. And yes, that team lost in the semis to a USC team that goes on to win it. And they didn't lose another NCAA match again. But there was a little bit of a head start. There was the 08-13 run established by Samdev, by Shabazz, by Jermir, that it was like, okay, we know how to win at Virginia. You guys just have to learn how to do it as well. This core of Montez, Von der Schulenberg, Rodesh, and now you have to throw some respect on Alex Kiefer's name. It is not a superstar trio. It is a fantastic four. It's not fair to say ground up because Nakashima and Henrik and that 2019 team, like Virginia was trending in the right direction. But we knew at the moment it happened. When Montez, Von der Schulenberg, Rodesh, and this Virginia core went into Columbus and on the very first weekend, you know, of being a team together, kickoff weekend, beat Ohio State on the road, you just knew this group was special. And so, look, I asked Jay which core was better because we like to have fun here on this show. Any coach would die for either of those cores. But it just cannot be overstated what this team has done. Six titles in the last 10 NCAA tournaments. It's special. It's absolutely special. And on the flip side, look, it's heartbreaking for this Ohio State core. This group was special. This group had it. And we've talked about this off mic. The addition of the Florida boys. Alex Bernard, Jack Anthrop. It, it was, it's just, it's, a no, it's just the real deal. It's just like they were as good as advertised all season long. And outdoors here in Orlando, if Ohio State wins, Alex Bernard's your most outstanding player. He played his best week of tennis as a freshman the very last week on the job. Pick against Jack Anthrop at six at your own, uh, your own, dis- uh, your own choice. Yeah, peril. Thank you. A lot of words today. I'm, I'm blanking out. This is why it's good to have Jay back. Uh, 
real deal. Like, just the weapons he has, the confidence he has. He's hitting heat check drop shots, like, in the middle of rallies because why not? It's working. Yes, they lose a 26-0 James Trotter or 27-0, whatever it is. Everyone else is coming back. I think if you're Ohio State, bittersweet today, but, like, you just believe. Like I, I think you believe that much more. And how many coaches talk about instilling that belief? I think this group comes into next season even more confidence than they did this year. Well, it's always helpful to be in these moments. Sure. Right. Yeah. And to carry that experience in and, you know, those two freshmen that you talked about, neither of them lost a match yeah. here in Orlando. You know, so you feel really good about continuing to ride with those players moving forward. You have to be in these moments, and yeah. yes, I know Ohio State has now been in these moments for— But this group hadn't. This group hadn't, right, yeah. exactly. So with this group, then you move into to next year, yeah, right? And you say, okay, you've now been in this moment, you have that experience, and we now have, I think, players that we can really build around for these mid-May outdoor matches, mm-hmm. right, that have the game styles and you know the, the fitness to really handle those elements. So— mm-hmm. I think you, yeah, I mean, I don't know if anyone's focusing on this right now if you're an Ohio State fan, (laughs) but in a few days, in a few weeks' time, I think you can feel really good about continuing to be there, right? And it's so hard to have to knock on the door this many times, but they're at the door. Yeah, and I know it was a 4-0 scoreline, but this was the loudest knock yet, like in my opinion, and just because this whole course coming back. Like, that's what makes it so sad. It's like, hey, we're coming. We're on the door. We are here to come. And that's the best part for this group is it's like, yes, you don't get James Trotter next year, which is devastating because of, again, what he's meant to that program. All the guys love him to have a guy undefeated given his ups and downs through his career. Like, that was something just for this group to rally around. And Andrew Luchanik talked about that when he came on the show. But, yeah, it's just like, I don't know about fitness, if that's the word I would use, but acclimated to this environment. Like Bernard and Anthrop were the two most comfortable players of any player you would see in Orlando. All due respect to most outstanding player, Chris Rodesh, not even he looked as comfortable as Bernard and Anthrop did. They're like, yeah, what do you mean? This is May in Florida. I've been here. You never played at noon in May in Florida, losers. <laughs> um, they're the real deal. They're only going to get better. Cannon always gets better. And if he has a big fall, we'll see. Will he come back or not? But I would ride with Cannon in the top two of my lineup any given day of the week. I thought Justin Boulay had his best season of his college career. So much for him to build around. And then look, like, J.J. Tracy did not play well in Orlando. He will be the first person, I am sure, to admit that. If the problem heading into 2024 is we need to figure out how to get J.J. to peak in May, that's, like, the best problem a team could have because look at the track record. He's lost... Orlando is a tough spot for him. We're in Stillwater next year. We're not in Orlando. And anywhere anywhere but Orlando, J.J. Tracy has been a superstar in college tennis. Like, that's the thing. I think he had a bad week. I think he will be the first person to say it. And if that's, like, the one spot you're feeling shaky about coming off of this week, and not, but you're not even feeling, like, I can't make a cogent or coherent or legitimate argument that, like, I don't know about that J.J. Tracy, man, because... I would ride with Tracy as well to the end. I know you're right. Right now, if you're a Buckeyes fan, you're crushed because this team in any other year is good enough to win a national championship. And they were one win away from doing so here in this season, a year we have more depth than any year, in my opinion, in college tennis history prior. I don't know. Final thoughts on the Buckeyes. Everything I say go to you. Well, 
I think a little hyperbolic on the JJ Tracy front. Okay. He struggled in Champaign, right? He it was a fair, yeah. It was a lopsided loss against Hurrian of Kentucky. Yeah. So that was the problem last season of how do we get JJ Tracy to peak in May, and we didn't get JJ Tracy to peak in May. Uh, you know that 2018 loss. That one hurts because if that's not played in Wake Forest, how does that turn out differently? That's and very true too. You have, but it was at Wake. That's it why it's always has an Wake, asterisk next you know, to me. But you also had what they were sophomores at the time in JJ Wolf and John McNally. True. Maybe JJ Wolf came one season early. Yeah, no, so, McNally was a freshman. Yeah, JJ freshman was the second JJ, year. Yeah, he came early, but still and you they had were senior Torp. Yeah, yeah, they were a young crew to build around. But yeah, you did have Torp at that time. But yeah, I mean. You have to peak in May, mm-hmm. and um, they made the finals, right? I mean, <laughs> they they came up against a Virginia team who has cracked the code of peaking in May, and Ohio State has not yet cracked it. That's, I think, the fair assessment to say is, look, I do think this group was even closer, and I do think this group, they won a Big Ten tournament title. I also think this group took losses that I can't emphasize this enough. They get the chance next year to rectify. Like, it's just, that's the best part if you're an Ohio State t- fan is, you said it. You saw this match. You've now played this match. You've been through this experience. I Every guy comes back better to a T. Uh, I think, you know, again, they lost the doubles point in, against Virginia. They lost the doubles point in the quarterfinals as well against Georgia, and they still found themselves in the final. And they still, like, a lot of first sets were close and came down to the finish line. If Cannon takes the first set against Inyaki, who knows where that way goes. And I guess the last thing I would point out here. And it's not an excuse for any team to make because everyone was playing in these conditions, but in particular for Ohio State, TCU, you know, that right side of the draw who had to play three consecutive days at noon in 95 degree heat. Like, this is just not a, this has nothing to do with the result. I just think more broadly as college tennis fans, why are we doing that? Like, don't we want to see the good tennis? Don't we want these players to be their most, at their freshest, at their best, you know, again, when it's 79 degrees outside here in Florida and everyone's extraordinarily comfortable, if we never have to see another noon semifinal, quarters you get because there's a lot of matches to play and you just got to get through the day, but if we never see another noon start time for a final week of NCAA tournament play, Jay, I will be more than thrilled with that because I do think to some extent that robbed us of what might have been even a more fun week. Like, I just don't think we saw the absolute best from any team because the conditions almost didn't allow it. That's why I was shocked that the final today was at noon. Yeah. Shocked. I thought it would be at 5.30. Yeah. And you give them as much time to rest before the team final, and the conditions are going to be cooler, right? Going to be hot during the doubles point and then start to cool off. Yeah, I I don't get that at all. I mean, you you want to balance fitness being a factor, sure, but you don't want to see it just be such a war of attrition mm-hmm. that people are out there cramping and 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 like and you saw this in that TCU Michigan match. It was like if you took a first set, that was it. Yeah, like there was no coming back, mm-hmm. and you would have score lines like seven six two one, and you're like. I don't know if they're going to get up on this changeover <laughs> because they're really struggling. You just don't want to see that. I couldn't agree more. It's just why are we having these athletes do all this work all year long to just come and have things settled by, well, my team sweats more than your team. So, sorry, we cramped more than you did on this given day. And just like, yeah. again, it's not that straightforward. And I'm not trying to take away from what Virginia did, from what Ohio State did, all these teams who did manage the elements so well. But, like, yeah. 
we are setting them up to fail when we put them at the 12 o'clock start. And I get it. There's rain in the forecast here in Orlando. Guess what? There's been a 30% chance of rain since I touched down in Orlando on Tuesday. Like, it's been constant on the weather app. No matter where you put this event, you're going to have weather issues in May. That's just how spring works. I just do wish we had the opportunity to see these matches played, uh, this match in particular played at night, because that gets us to the match we did get to see at night. Oh my God, was the quality good last night between North Carolina and North Carolina State. That match is what an NCAA final is supposed to look like. And let's get into it now. North Carolina, they upset the system. There was a system malfunction, I suppose, is the clever way of saying it. They come out, they beat NC State in doubles, Jay. And I understand Smith and Schneider get a win at one. Honest to God, Crawley and Forbes played them about as tight as UNC could have hoped for. And they stayed on the court long enough to where, A, Scotty and Tangillic, who I know you're fond of as a pairing, played really well all week long. Uh, they get a quick win over Miller and Rejecki. And then the bigger thing is it gives Brantmeyer Tran a little bit of comfort time at three. They get a 6-4 win there. Let's just start with that aspect of things. The energy, the environment, the doubles, the weather was perfect. What do you think of how North Carolina came out of the gates? Well, they, I mean, I had tweeted this out. This was the first time that we had had three years of first-time finalists sure. on, the, on the women's side, right? We had Pepperdine in 2021, Oklahoma in 2022, and now uh, NC State in 2023. And I think that showed in doubles. I felt like this North Carolina team, even though it's not the same team, but just as a program, I felt like there was a belief and a confidence and a lightness yeah. that they played with. I did see that from Diana Schneider and Lana Smith at number one doubles. I didn't see that at all mm -hmm. at number two doubles or number three doubles from NC State. It felt heavy. It felt like the moment got to them in a way that it didn't feel like, like, like that for UNC. And they came out firing. I would add to that two things. One, you're absolutely right about Smith and Schneider. They were giggling out yeah. there. Like, they were having, they were having a blast. They are so fun to watch. And, look, Diana Schneider's a top 100 player in the world. I think her and Schneider are a top 100 doubles team. And I know personally how fond Diana Schneider is of Alana Smith. I don't. I can't speak as confidently about the, the uh, Smith side of things towards Schneider, but you saw them. <laughs> I just don't know as much about it. What, like, we think this is a one-way no, no, no. relationship? That's not what I'm saying. I, I didn't mean it like that. Sorry, Alana Smith. I just meant like I know – like. I'm pretty sure if Alana Smith was like, hey, Diana, like, would you want to play some pro doubles together? Diana would be like, done. Like, locked it in. What tournaments are we playing? Here's my travel schedule. Let's rock and roll. Um, they are a blast to play around. But to get to part two, to again build off of what you said, Scotty's finger pointing to the crowd. Mm -hmm. Tangillig saying, get on your feet, Tar Heel Nation. And yep. the single best thing, the single best thing that could have happened to this UNC team was losing to NC State in the ACC tournament because they did not come into this match acting like a front runner. They came into this match saying, we are chasing, we are coming out to punch you in the face, and we, are, we feel like we are the underdogs. I just haven't seen a North Carolina team play like an underdog before and just be so hungry and tenacious. And again, like, Scotty's finger pointing to the crowd. I've never seen that before. This UNC team... They earned the doubles. They were better, like just straight up. And then, look, once the single started, it was good tennis everywhere. And look, credit to you, uh, to NC State. Diana Schneider is as good as advertised. And she takes a first set. 
She gets a straight set victory over Reese Brantmeyer, over a Brantmeyer who I thought played really well on the day. You know, to go three and four with Schneider, who had dropped just one game in Orlando in her two prior victories. Really good match from Brantmeyer. Still, Schneider going to Schneider. That's the quick point for NC State. They get a first set on six. Uh, Dittman over Yarlagata. Oh, my God, was Gina Dittman good in that first set. Similarly, on five, Sophie Abrams, whatever issue she was having earlier in the week, like T-Swift, she shook him off. She was cruising against Riley Tran, and both Dittman, Smith, uh, Dittman and Abrams, excuse me, up a set and a break uh, on their courts, respectively, lopsided. So you're like, okay, things are looking interesting. Meanwhile, Fiona Crawley did her thing against Alana Smith, and that was a really fun second set we'll get back to in a second. Carson Tangillig woke up. She wins her first set at three. That first set at four, again, Scotty versus Renshelly. 6-3, Renshelly's leading in that first set breaker. Scotty fights those set points off. She comes back to take a 9-7 breaker. She takes the first set, 7-6, to make it three first sets apiece. And from there, Jay, the Tar Heels just took off. Did I accurately portray that first hour, hour and a half of singles? Yeah, absolutely. And it's rare in a match like this that you can point to a single moment that was such an inflection. And that was it. Because you were sitting there. And I actually, so the scoreboards weren't working so I couldn't check live scoring I was kind of positioned to the top half you know I, I was tracking Schneider Crawley and and Tangillig I moved down to four through six to catch the end of that first set that mm-hmm. tie break and when I come over there you're right Dittman six three three oh Yarlagod is in in a medical timeout Sophie Abrams six four five one right and you're going all right she hit a drop shot at 5-3 and waved goodbye. She waved goodbye to Riley Tran. She didn't win like another game that set. <laughs> well, I didn't I didn't see that. There was but, a wave. Okay, well, okay. I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm yeah. just saying it happened. Uh, I, I, oh, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. But so I was like, wow, so this is going to be NC State's fourth first set mm-hmm. and they're about to close on Schneider 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. Scotty's down 6-3. For her to take that set that was the moment the match completely turned to North Carolina. And despite the fact that five and six DNF'd, the story was really at four through six there. Because what that did was just shift the momentum completely to North Carolina. Yarlagata comes back. She takes a second set. Uh, as you said, Riley Tran takes the second set. Sophie Abrams struggles after uh, you know, having that lead evaporate. And at that point, it was downhill. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, Alana, uh, Phil Crawley got off the court and then it was, downhill. she was down set points, right. In that she, second set. And, well, but there was the deuce point. Deuce like, point. Oh. Alana Smith, 6-5. Yeah. It was so good. It was so good. Smith had that, an overhead, right. And Crawley gets it back gets just it to, back. for listeners who didn't see it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was an incredible point. I was watching yeah. it for like three courts over. Yeah. The, the whole stadium was. Yeah. As well. And cause it was so big. Yeah. At that point, Scotty taking that set was absolutely massive. And then it was a, a race to the clinch yeah, for uh, Tan Gillig and Scotty. No, when Yarlagata took the second, when Tran took the second, not to reuse this, but shout out Dan Miller, pack the bag, start the plane. Like you just felt like this one was over. Yeah. And for a Scotty who's just, you know, so many different health issues, ups and downs, but she's the through line from Carolina teams past to present. And I just think she's the through line of what's different about this group than everything else is this group just believes like this group I don't think they take themselves as seriously as past Carolina teams there's just and, and Sophia Patel 
deserves a ton of credit as well because you can't talk to any member of this Tar Heel team without saying, no, 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 she's the one that actually keeps it all together. She's the glue that binds all of us. And regardless of any egos, I don't mean it in the, like, you have an ego. I just, like, egos anyone might have about playing spots, whatever. It's like, okay, but tell Mama Sophia your problems and she's going to fix them. And then we're going to go play tennis together. And, yeah, like, Abby Forbes gave me a quote when I talked to her in the podcast we had where it's like, Scotty also is just like, relax, like, it's just one match. It's just this isn't the end of the world. This is just tennis. And I don't know. There was that looseness. I've just I've never seen a Caroline I've watched them win a lot of national indoor titles. I've never seen them win a match as loosely as they did, where there was just freedom on every court, where there was just like I mean, Carson, after losing that second set against uh Rejecki, like Amelia was striking the ball, and you're just like, uh oh, like she could kind of find the backhand, she could take time away. Like, this, you know, it doesn't really give Carson time to get into her playbook, and yet, you know, Carson, yeah, I guess Scotty comes through first with a straight set victory. Moments later, moments later, literally like two minutes, Carson serves well, maybe it. Maybe less. Yeah, I maybe think it was. Like point to point. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, forty yeah. fifteen. Yep. Scotty served it out. Yep. Carson had it. Couple good forehands later. UNC are your champs. I got a video of Brian when his wife was finally able to come down onto the court. The hug they exchanged, and like, I almost did tear up because I like to joke around. I've been on the North Carolina beat now for five years. Like just following them national indoor to national indoor, and when's it gonna happen? I just. It couldn't have no program is more deserving. Like they have had the players, they have had the opportunities, they have done everything you want to do in college tennis, but win a national championship. I also think it's just a really likable group. Like this Carolina team, a lot of fun personalities across the board. And God was did the crowd make it special? Like that's what I guess my biggest takeaway is when you're if you're gonna win a maiden national title, that's what it should feel like. Final thoughts on all things Carolina to you. Yeah, it was picturesque yeah, in that perfect regard. Right? Perfect I mean, the weather work. was beautiful. The fans, I mean, so many alums who yeah. helped build this UNC team. Sarah to O'Leary is. is there as a fan of her former coach, Brian Calvis, yep. the University of Virginia coach now. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Exactly. I mean, and so many examples yeah. of that, right? In the stands, cheering this team on. So it, this has been a long time coming for this North Carolina team. I do think you're right. And I felt this was palpable, just the lightness that a lot of these personalities in particular have for this North Carolina team that felt like, hey, maybe it's not that serious. And I think playing for, and Coach Kalbus mentioned this in his speech about this was their title, right? Not so much his title. And I think you had heard for a long time, like the players wanted this so much for Coach Kalbus, but you really need to want it for yourself. Sure. And I think that this team had that. They seem to be extremely close. I don't know if they were playing light throughout the entire match. There was certainly times that they got more light. Um, but an, an incredible milestone for this program, a program that has been knocking on that you know door that we talked about earlier for so many years. Mm-hmm. And you know it's, it's their Jordan year, the, 2023. There are rumors that there will be a tattoo on Brian Calvis of the Jordan year, that they're all going to get the Jordan tattoo. I'm just... These are the rumors I've heard, Coach Calvis. So if I see you at the National Indoors without a tattoo, I'm going to be a disappointed Alex Gruskin. I did have the opportunity to spend some time with the North Carolina celebration after the fact and just the collective burden removed. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, God willing, I 
Ohio State's going to win a national title. They've been knocking on the door too long. I'm a big believer, and eventually, again, hard work pays off, and they have put in the hard yards. I pray that I get to spend some, the, the amount of time I got to spend with North Carolina last night that I with Ohio State when it happens because just – you're right, like alums are FaceTiming in and everyone's dancing and celebrating and it was a moment deserved. Like, yeah, it was just, it was so sweet. And even, I guess what, to, to the picturesque moment that I will summarize it in my head always is end of the match, team's coming over to give Coach Kalpas the Gatorade bath. You try to hide the Gatorade, right? So he doesn't see it, so he doesn't see it coming. Kalpas literally makes direct eye contact with Carson and whoever else was holding it. And it was like, are you guys really going to do this? And then, but in his face, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm ready for this. Like, <laughs> I'm not moving. Like, get this Gatorade on my shirt immediately because, again, the team deserves it. All seven are coming back, the top seven next year. All of them have another year of eligibility. All seven can come back. They're bringing in the number one recruit in the nation, Blue Chip, whose name I'm slipping on as well. Yeah, uh, final Carolina thoughts. You want to move over to the NC State side of things? Yeah, I mean, hats off to the Carolina team. Uh, you know, it feels reminiscent of the 2013 Virginia team yes. and getting over the hump. Yes. We haven't had a moment like that since then. Yeah, and it kind of feels like, oh gosh, you know, yeah. we, what did, did we just unearth yeah. here? Uh, because look, the talent is there and now the experiences as well. Absolutely. On the flip side, look, we've said it all season long. You want to know who's doing the best job in college tennis? It's Simon Earnshaw, David Secker, and this NC State women's tennis program. You heard it in the speech last night from Coach Kalbus, who, in a moment of honesty, was like, look, before Simon got the job, NC State was not good. And you just made an NCAA final. You were unequivocally, if not tied for the best, because you know they can say, well, we're one and one against UNC in tournament finals this year. Not false. Um, you were as good as any team in college tennis this year. You showed that throughout the course of the season. Simon has built a program to the point where a top 100 player in Diana Schneider will win a match at the Australian Open and say, no, 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 but I want to come play a year of college tennis where players like Smith, Rejecki, you know, Abrams, Renshelly, Dittman, they all continue to get better as players as well. And, you know, again, I think they did blink. A little bit. Just first time in a national final in this moment, you could tell when their backs got pushed against the wall or it was crunch time, the way that for uh, UNC, excuse me, was able to mount comebacks on five and six. I mean, it's not fair to say Renshelly, uh, excuse me, Rejecki wasn't able to mount a comeback because she did force a third. And I actually think it's unfair to say Smith wasn't able to force a comeback because she had a set point in the second. Similarly, like, if that first set for Rancelli goes 7-6 her way, who knows how that match finishes? That said, I think the only difference in this one was the Tar Heel experience. Like, I, I really do. I think they had been in enough national finals that crunch time, they were just a little bit looser. Not entirely so, but a little bit looser than NC State. Is that a fair assessment of what you saw from the Wolfpack last night and anything you'd want to add to where that program is? Well— I think that's a fair assessment. I think you know NC State might be willing to trade that ACC match <laughs> for really the, yeah the national championship. Was Gianni Ross also Andres's first recruit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, obvious things for one two hundred, please. Yeah. Uh, I, that's good. Wait, I like that. That was a good Jeopardy reference. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, NC State didn't have their best tennis this entire week. Yeah, the level they showed in the ACC final. 
it was not here mm-hmm. this week. And when you don't have that knockout punch level that they are capable of playing that we saw in that ACC final, it then comes back to a conversation about experience and match toughness. And I think they la- they lack that. And they weren't able to close the door on those places, even if they weren't getting the the ben- they didn't get the benefit of momentum shifts, and they they were unable to close in certain places. And there were just too many pockets of that throughout the match, whether it was in doubles or in certain places in, in singles. That ultimately it wasn't enough. I mean, they couldn't overcome it. You're right. At the same time, I do want to point out there were moments in that second set between Crawley and Smith. When Alana Smith would strike a forehand, and I was just like, oh my god, like, it was ridiculous. Like, just some of the things Alana Smith can do on court. I know Diana Schneider has the French Open coming up. Those are your favorites to win the NCAA doubles title if they are ultimately in the draw together because, god, like, it's just a really fun team to watch. They have the chemistry. They have the looseness. They have the talent. They have the ball striking. All these things. Rejecki's a baller. Like, Rejecki's the one I want on my roster to help give my team that edge, to help flip things around, because, God, we're her and Carson getting after it on court number three, and you need that player on your roster. You need, I always call it the Pat Maloney, because that's just the one that I view most, that person, you need your asshole. I don't know how else to say it. Like, you need the person who the other team hates, and I don't know if anyone hates Amelia Rejecki, but hates playing against. Not You're just like, I don't like their, like, they're the energy, they're the one we want to stop, and I think they have that in Rejecki. I think we we all know the best tennis Abigail Rancelli is capable of playing. And, you know, between her, Abrams, Dittman, all those pieces are coming back, right? The, the core four of juniors, they're all coming back for, at those three through six spots. Now, I will be shocked, shocked, shocked. And I think we can announce Diana Schneider's not coming back. She's been very straightforward with that as well. I do think one of the biggest subplots for this NC State team, not to speak out of turn, but David Secker, will he come back? Because if I'm another program, that's who I'm calling to hire as my head coach. And who's to say Diana Schneider doesn't call him as well and say, well, what if you just come with me and come travel full-time on the pros as well? Now, even without David, look at the track record for Simon at Armstrong. Look at what he's built here at NC State. Now, he's had David by his side the whole time, but they keep getting recruits. They keep developing players extraordinarily well. I will continue to say, because he has to get a sh- shout out, no one looked better on court than Simon Earnshaw, who was dressed to the T <laughs> in the red sweatsuit, which is all we as college. Like, he just embraces it, and he double, you know, he doubles down on the system, and he just, he may, he understands we're trying to have fun with it, and he he's in on the joke, if that makes sense. Like, he's down to have fun with all of it. I think this. Uh, we haven't seen this NC State team hit its ceiling yet. As good as this team is, they ran into a generational team in North Carolina. This program ain't going anywhere anytime soon, Jay. No, and they are now very clearly at that tipping point where what they have had to do is bring in recruits that couldn't go to a North Carolina, sure. would not have been recruited either because they were international or just they weren't at that level, and they've developed them, yeah. right? And you, uh, Amelia Rejecki is a great example of that, right? And her ball striking, what she can do <laughs> on the court, it's, it's unreal, and she's developed significantly in her time at North Carolina State. Now, you look at their recruiting pipeline, it's changing, 
right? They're starting to bring in blue chip recruits mm-hmm. from the U.S., and that is what you start to see with these non-blue blood programs. So we are on the precipice of this North Carolina. I mean, we're in it now. They've made you know two of the last three semifinals. They made the quarterfinals last year. We are in this era of NC State. They're not going anywhere, mm-hmm. and this experience again is a launching pad for the next time they're in this situation not only will the players have that experience to bank off of but coach earnshaw will as well if you, no, no, sorry please carry on i was gonna say he's won a lot of titles at armstrong mm-hmm. this is different this is his first d1 experience mm-hmm. and you look at coach calbus took a while mm-hmm. right i'm not saying it will take that long for nc state but i do really believe one of the things that has cemented one of the takes that has cemented for me is that you have to be in these moments to get it done. Mm-hmm. And Coach Earnshaw has done that. These players have now done that. They'll be hungrier next year than they were this year. My cousin always makes fun of me when I tell him, I tell him, like, you have to lose that match before you win it. Mm-hmm. It's just how this sport works. And, yeah, I agree. Like, I, I just – you nailed it. The recruits are going to start to – the doors are just now open for NC State because I think since the turn of the of the decade, 2020 – UNC, Texas, NC State, Pepperdine. Those have been your four premier programs. And obviously Stanford, this is the this is the blip in what is otherwise they will be, you know, they are always and they're back the now, right? Yeah, in semifinals this year and they're bringing everyone back. Yeah, exactly. Like, and then Stanford's yeah. back and the crew is back. Exactly. I don't mean to write off Texas A&M either because they have been right there in the mix. But I do think those four in particular, UNC, uh, Texas, Pepperdine, Stanford, like that's been the gold standard these past four years. And again, NC State now semifinals in 2021, first time in program history, followed it up with the quarterfinals the next year. And then obviously this year they break through and make their first NCAA final. Hot take. I think we're going to see them make the national indoor final 16 field next year as well. (laughs) Like I think they're going to get more shots at national championships for this program. And who knows if Schneider's, you know, on campus, what that national indoors look like, how different this season is if NC State has five months and not two. Well, the thing is they had the whole ACC conference together, but if they would have gotten to compete at another big national event and say they lose the national indoor final to North Carolina, and now, you know, again, you've played them in a national final, you've experienced that before, it's just a, an asterisk. I suppose. Not quite. It's not a full asterisk. It's a footnote, a footnote I would throw in to something you shouldn't forget from this season, but... I don't think North Carolina State lost this match, if that makes sense. I think North Carolina went out and won it. That would be my final take to you. Ooh. Even with five and six, because then it just comes. Let's say they close out five and six. Mm-hmm. Comes down to Carson versus Amelia at three. Like Carson won the match. Yeah, but I mean, the pressures. The pressure it yeah. becomes so much yeah, different yeah. because NC State could have gone up three one. Yeah, right. And, and it looked like they were going to exactly. Really and that is so different. And that has been their recipe. They go up two zero yeah. with doubles and Schneider. Right. And you saw that against Stanford in the semifinal. Once Dittman put the point on the board, I mean the. The walls closed in on Stanford. So had they gone up 3-1, I think that could be a wildly different outcome. I think that is what Coach Earnshaw is maybe a little salty about. Because, yeah, on paper you say, what do you mean? UNC took doubles, Crawley, Tangillig, and Scotty. It's just a whole different match if they're up 3-1. Abby Forbes was on the sideline yelling, there's a lot of momentum for the Tar Heels right now. And it was like... Yo, she's kind of right. Like, absolutely. There's a lot of momentum. You said it. There was a clear-cut inflection mm-hmm. point. Scotty takes the first set. 
UNC never turns back. First national championship in program history. We were joking around after the uh, going into the quarterfinals. ACC overrated? No, it's not overrated. It's the best conference. The ACC women are like as a subsection, men's or women's college tennis, the best conference pound for pound. Period. And yeah, UNC, they get the job done. Jay, all seven are coming back. Are they the unequivocal title? Right, let me ask you of each of these teams. This will be our final question here. Virginia, North Carolina. Who is the more unequivocal number one heading into next season? North Carolina. Make the case. Well, they bring back everyone. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, uh, I, uh, you seem to be sure that they're bringing back everyone. I'm I, pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we will see how the next few weeks play out. I think it's mm-hmm. a, a conversation that now changes for someone like Scotty and Yarla Gata and maybe Brantmeyer as well. Annika Locke, she's getting her master's. So that one, lock that one in. Scotty is the interesting one. I agree yeah. with you there, but carry and on. And Brantmeyer, I mean, who knows how the next, you know. I, I don't know what it was or wasn't on the record. So let me just say I'm fairly certain. And you, but I'm saying you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, win the, the wild months, card, et cetera. You know, yeah. so you don't know what's going to happen over the next week. Yeah, very right? true. She's very in the sink. So there's a lot of variables. We don't know about injury. I mean, you just never know. But look, they bring everyone back. That is the clear number one. Virginia does lose mm-hmm. pieces from this team. So, I mean, that's a pretty straightforward answer. I also think the issue as it relates to this answer, why it's North Carolina, is just the field surrounding Virginia. It's Texas is, especially after losing, they probably bring back, like, Spiz probably comes back, right? Mm-hmm. Barring the next week, but like Spiz, Wall Deep, Cleve has another year. Braswell and PYB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, when did they add the B? Isn't it just PY? When did it become PYB? PYB, I had called him, and yeah. now it sounds like and they Ethan call him Ethan calls PY. him PYB, too. Probably because I just called yeah, him PYB. Yeah, 100% he stole that from yeah. you, of I, course. You know, it's a, I mean, the three— You're a trendsetter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the three-letter acronym, I feel like, makes more sense. But PY coming back. Uh, so, look, they'll be very good. And, and I, yeah, I mean, you look at the North Carolina and Ohio State. State also brings back everyone but yeah, Trotter. That's back, the yeah. thing is NC State for sure loses Smith and for sure loses Schneider. Yeah, they lose their top two, yeah. right? Do you think there are other teams like Stanford? Texas. Texas. Texas everyone back. Yeah, right? Every, top five all back, maybe? I mean, maybe. No, uh, by age. Like, they all can they come all back. They all can come back. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Stanford's the interesting Stanford's going to be very good next yeah. season. Texas A&M, they're bringing in pieces, yeah. you know, but it's North Carolina. They're number one every year. They will be num- <laughs> probably the number one seed in the NCAAs next year. We got to see what the record is most consecutive weeks at number one because oh, well, these targets. Good luck with that, finding that stats page. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is the Stanford women. Uh, probably from like 1990 to 2006. When did Florida win their first one or whatever it was? Or Duke, I guess, was 06? No, um, yeah, Duke was 8. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, 1990 to 08. It was Stanford was number one uh, on the women's side. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the answer has to be UNC just because we just saw this core win a national championship. And they're all coming back next season. So, very much looking forward uh, certainly to the battle. All of that said, Jay. Your national champions, UNC, uh, UVA. Now, we still have all tournament teams for us to hand out. We still have awards in this 2023 season for us to hand out. I suppose we can do the autopsy or urine review on other team seasons in that final podcast as well. But I will offer the final words of today's show to you, my friend. Any final thoughts here from Orlando? Any individual things you want to talk about quickly as we look at the draw? 
Uh, the Stonish <laughs> Styler, the Fiona I mean, Crawley Quarter. Like, yeah, the Fiona, oh. I mean, there's a lot to break. I don't know if we have time for all that now. I mean, <laughs> what I, else am I doing? I yeah. got all the time. <laughs> no, I'm looking forward to individuals. Uh, look, it's been it's been a great tournament. Uh, very deserving champions, both from the ACC in North Carolina and Virginia. A lot of poetry here for North Carolina women and Virginia men. They are back, you know, consistently at the top of men's tennis here. So, uh, a great event here in Lake Nona. Yeah, it's it's been really fun, and it's just again, it's crazy to think we got another week. Like again, there's going to be some really good tennis, and I guess you're on the lookout. Did Virginia get any doubles teams in? I don't think they did. No triple crown. There will not be a triple crown on the men's side this year. There's no way they they played around too much. Like, how could they have gotten one in? I think Getz and Montez were ranked fairly high. Yeah, because they were successful before. Yeah, I don't know. Archie, check the doubles draw. See if there's a Virginia team. Let <laughs> they us were know. Uh, they were surprisingly high. Yeah, I know. On obviously the UNC side, everyone can win a triple crowd still because they got five so into many. the singles yeah. and at least four into the doubles, right? Because Brant Meyer, Scotty. Uh, Crawley and Tan Gillig all into the doubles, so yeah. four and players, it, which is too bad. Um, not too bad, but uh, Scotty Tan Gillig would be a tough team in the individuals. But no, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. Do it's, we see a triple crown from UNC? <sighs> it's probably got to be Fiona, right? Gets Montez. We have confirmation. So gets Montez, and then Crawley Tan Gillig. And Brantmeyer. So five total players, because Scotty's not in singles. So five players have a shot at the Triple Crown. If I were to power rank the five, I'd go Crawley one, Montez two. I don't think Getz is in the singles, is he? So never mind, only four players left. So Crawley one, Montez two, Carson three, just because I guess by virtue she's... I don't know, actually. Am I going to write off Reese? Reese one, Fiona two... And Yaki three, Carson four. Okay, I go Fiona one, Reese two. Okay, and, and Carson three, Yaki yeah, yeah, four. I, I, Honestly, I, I, that yeah. feels I better mean, too. Yeah. Also, keep in mind, Yaki's got to turn back around tomorrow. Yeah. He doesn't have the day off like the women do. So, mm-hmm. I mean, straight flush for the UNC women. I think Fiona, given her consistency, yeah. right? It, so we'll it just see. feels like, given the year they had. It would be fitting if they walked away with a triple crown this season. Like, wouldn't that be the feather in the cap? Like, oh, you don't think we win NCAAs? Boom, yeah. triple crown. Um, and it's a storyline we deserve. We haven't had a triple crown in too long across the board in college tennis. What, Kim's the last one for Stanford on the men's side? Uh, I forget who the last, or maybe it was Matthias Boker. Uh, one of the two were the last on the men's side. Well, it's only been three. And, and Bob Bryan, right? Brian was 98. 98. Um, and I know I know Booker did it for Georgia. Um, yeah, it's only been three. Yeah, and so Kim was the other one. So well, I don't think we, we've never had one on the women's side. Never? Never. Is this the year? I mean... Spiz 2024? Well, he was he was 2023, given that he's the number one team, number one singles, He would have been doubles, the triple crown frontrunner. Yeah. <sighs> With yeah. that, though. Yeah! <laughs> okay, there it is, folks. Again, one more week to go. Coverage starts 9 a.m. tomorrow on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Again, I would be remiss if I didn't give a shout-out to our super producer, Daniel Westoff. Makes everything we do here possible. And, look, we didn't address some scoreboard things, some stream things that maybe we can save for the end of the season. But here's what I will say. Any of you who would have preferred a Cracked Rackets stream for the NCAA final – 
tweet at CR producer and give him a thank you because he's the one who allows us to go to the triple boxes to broadcast two matches at once to just anytime I say, hey, I think this would be a cool element to a college broadcast. He goes, all right, give me an hour. And he finds a way to do it. So shout out to Westoff. Shout out to Dalton, who was wheeling and dealing all week long. <laughs> I mean, talk about a man who was shaking hands and kissing babies. Um, And then seriously, parents brothers, sisters, players, coaches, anyone on the grounds here who came up to myself, Jay, Archit, Westoff, whatever, Chris, uh, Hallioris, who is equally essential in all things we do here at Crack Rackets. You made it a special week. I'm headed back to Indy because I think my brain would explode if I tried to stay at the pace I'm at for another hour. It would just, it centers things. And truth be told, I got to start looking at Roland Garros since I know some of you mini break listeners are excited for our previews. I've already texted all the guests. We're getting ready to rock and roll this time for real. Jay, any final thoughts? Uh, No, uh, (laughs) no, I'm looking forward to individuals. Congrats again to North Carolina and Virginia. It's Mm -hmm. been a fun week. With that said for the fantastic John J. Parsons, who, by the way, seriously killed it this week you were no ad no i was listening every morning because i was like what did i not see in person that i need to take care of so thank you to you for all you do shout out to our super producer daniel westoff who i didn't take any notes so i'll just say heck of an energy job to do day in day out shout out to our dear friends at tennis point as well tennis-point.com the promo code is cr15 with all that said for the fantastic john j parsons our super producer daniel westoff our friends at tennis point for our shit suresh who i forgot to yeah, that was, that's just a dig at intern. Yeah, you take enough digs at me, I'm throwing you out of the pod, my friend. But no, a massive thank you to you as well, Archit. Seriously, there was a moment where you were offering scoreboard updates for all of College Tennis Nation, and I know everyone appreciated it. And for everyone who contributes here at Crack Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jay, what do we tell our listeners? That's the break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.